Morning, everyone. Good to see you today. I also want to welcome those of you who are viewing us online this morning. We're glad that all of you have joined us today. As many of you know, we are, as a church, we're in the middle of the effort to raise the money needed to build a kid's building, as Elliot said, which is the final building needed in the completion of this property. Uh, You probably already saw the brochures that are in your chairs if you're joining us here. Uh, Those brochures go over some of the top giving questions that people have had about this, as well as some ways that might help you think and pray about this opportunity. Uh, All of this information is available online, so if you're you're viewing online, you can uh, check our website out later and get this information there. Now, we're doing this effort now, in the middle of this pandemic, so that when we emerge from this pandemic, we'll be ready to welcome more of our friends and neighbors who we think will be open to God in the wake of this crazy, chaotic year. So we're, everyone, we're asking everyone who is part of Seabreeze to pray about giving two gifts over and above their normal giving to this effort. The first is a one-time gift by the end of this year. The second is a gift over the next three years, 2021, 22, and 23. And then now in two Sundays from now, on November 8th, we're asking everyone to let us know the total of those two gifts. Now, if you're a guest with us, please do not feel any obligation or pressure to give to this. This is for those of us who consider this to be our church home. But I do encourage you to stick around and observe this. Come back every Sunday. My hope is that this inspires you. Honestly, this kind of thing doesn't happen that often in the life of a church. So you're here at a pretty amazing time. Now, the theme verses for this series called Next Move is Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. And here again is what it says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. These two verses describe the three moving parts, the big moving parts that occur in every single day. Every day has three moving parts. The first is the flow of time itself. The days of time flow in an evil direction because we are in a fallen, sinful, and broken world. So that's the direction of just the natural flow of time is evil. But secondly, God is moving in the flow of time to bring us opportunities to push against and to resist the evil that time represents. And the third moving part in every day is us. We have to decide as we move through our days whether we are going to take those opportunities and make the most of them or we're going to let them move on past us. Now, opportunities don't come with a flashing light attached to them so that we can clearly identify them. We need to be looking out for opportunities. And once we identify them, they don't just reach out and grab a hold of us. We have to reach out and grab a hold of them. Now, we believe that God is presenting us as a church with a unique opportunity. There are usually two reasons why churches raise money beyond their normal giving. The first is to address a pressing need. Maybe they're running out of space and they they need more space for people to have a place to sit or they need more parking spaces. And whenever churches raise money for that need, the obvious reason for it is, is right in front of us. It's pretty obvious. The second reason that God... Uh, allows a church to raise extra money is God presents that church with a unique opportunity to prepare for what is coming. So the first reason is, is a reaction to something that's happened that's pretty obvious. The second is more of a proactive move. And that's really why we're doing this. We are raising this money for the second reason. We believe that God is presenting us 
with the opportunity to stage and prepare for the future. Now, as a church, if you've been around us for a while, you know that we've been aware of the need to complete this site since we moved onto this site 13 years ago. The question for us has always been timing. When would be the best time to do this? And so for the past four years, we have been setting aside a portion of our budget, some of the money that's been coming in regularly, to prepare for this. And we've been working on a plan. You should see some of the different places this kid's building. It's kind of been moving around the site as we've been working with different designers and professionals trying to figure out the best possible way to use the property that, that we have here. And now we've landed on this, and we got input from you last year. And so we've decided about a year ago that everything seemed to be pointing towards now, this fall, to be the time to do this. And of course, then COVID struck in March. And much to my surprise, what I thought would mean a delay in this opportunity turned out, in fact, to elevate the opportunity from a great opportunity and a needed opportunity to a pressing and more urgent opportunity. And the reason is because in a matter of, of months this year, everyone was faced with how fragile life is and how our plans can completely fall apart. And then on the tail of that experience in March and April and May, then, then we were confronted with how evil this world is and how many deep problems still remain in this world. And now we are hearing a, ready, a steady stream of solutions, ideas that are being offered to solve the problems of this world. And the solutions range from inadequate ideas that really aren't going to solve the problem to outright dangerous ideas that are going to cause a lot more pain. Now, the great news is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are in a possession. We are in possession of both a clear and rational explanation of what is wrong. Wrong both with this world and then what is the answer to this world. Before COVID, not a lot of people were interested in what the Bible had to say about life. But now there's a global awareness that something significant is wrong and it's just not going away. There's a deep awareness that the days are evil. And in desperation right now, people are buying and accepting almost any idea that sounds hopeful. And many of the solutions that are being presented are going to fail painfully. And I believe that as they fail, the hunger for God's truth will only grow. Not for everybody, but for a significant number of people. I think the hunger for truth is going to grow. What most do not realize is that the Bible isn't just a book about how to get to heaven, as important as that is. It's not just a book about God, as important as that is. It also has a lot to say about how to build a life and how to build a family and how to build a community that is a blessing to everyone, not just those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And right now, these answers are exactly what people are looking for and not finding. So, to be able to get ready for the wave of pain and hunger that I believe is coming, I think that's a pressing opportunity. And to build a location that will be a place to help families train up their children in the ways of God, <laughs> I can't think of a better move. Now, if you're a grandparent like me, you are gravely concerned about the future in store for your grandkids. It is the young who will be paying the greatest price for all of the godless ideas that are now taking root in our culture. 
I don't know if you've heard, but there's a small election that's coming up in a couple of weeks. You may be aware of it. And of course, a lot is being said about this election. Both of the two major parties are predicting dire consequences if the other party wins. But I think the election in two weeks is about this. I think it's really about whether we as a nation will fully embrace the moral revolution that's been underfoot for a while now and jump off that cliff completely or whether we're going to hang out on the cliff edge for a little bit longer. So, please vote. But the question is this, after you vote, then what? Is there anything to be done after that? Do you just wait for the next two years to vote in the next congressional elections and then four years to elect another president? Yes, but is there nothing to be done between now and then? Oh no, there's much to be done. You see, this slide away from God that is occurring in our culture really is like a landslide. The ground is moving underneath our feet. I think we all can feel it. We all can sense it. Some think it's moving in the right direction. Those of us committed to the Bible and God's Word know that we're sliding off into the abyss. Now, I can't stop a landslide. I can't stop the ground from moving under my feet any more than you can. But we follow the one who can. We follow the one who can move mountains. So for me, I planned to spend my money and my remaining years not just enjoying life. There'll be some of that. But I plan to make the most that I can of every single opportunity that God brings my way to do something about this landslide. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament that weighs heavy on me in this stage of my life. It's a story about a good king. If you read through the Old Testament, you realize that's pretty rare in and of itself. Most of the kings of Israel were not good kings. But this king, his name was Hezekiah, was one of the rare good kings. And he did tremendous good through his life. But in his old age, he became proud. So God sent a prophet to warn him of the devastation that his decisions were going to bring about on future generations because of his arrogance. And his response to the consequences that were going to come in the future was this. It's recorded in 2 Kings 20, verse 19. He responds to the prophet by saying, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? What he's saying is, okay, so, yeah, bad things are coming, but not until after I'm dead, right? That's what he's saying. I remember reading this story in this verse in my 20s, and I thought, what a jerk. What a selfish man. But to be honest, now in my 60s, I'm convicted by these verses because, well, I've had these thoughts. Not those exact thoughts, but thoughts like them. Let me give you a brief window into a few things I've thought. I've thought, well, I doubt that there'll be any Social Security left for my kids. Definitely not for my grandkids. But there should be enough in my lifetime, right? And I can just hear the 20-year-old 
me talking to the 61-year-old me and saying, what a jerk. How selfish of you. I've also had this thought. I know that this nation is coming unglued. But it should hold together at least until after I'm dead, right? I should be okay. And again, I hear the 20-year-old me telling the 6-year-old me, how selfish can you be? I mean, this is what Hezekiah thought. And I now understand why he thought that. Because in order to spend his final years in comfort, he had to turn his back on future generations. Now, if you're in my generation, you probably have more resources than you've ever had in your life. Now, yes, you're going to need some of those resources to live on and not be a burden to your family. And it's okay to spend some of those resources on some things that are enjoyable. But do not turn your back on the future generations so that you can live in comfort. Now, I know I'm laying it on heavy, but it's because it's heavy. It's heavy on my heart. I don't want to go to my grave thinking, well, I made it, without having known that I did everything I could for my kids and for my grandkids and their generation. You can probably, if you're in my generation, you can probably do more for future generations now than you ever could before. So, let's make the most of the opportunity. As it says in the Ephesian verses, the days are moving in an evil direction, but God is moving against evil by bringing us opportunities to counter it. The question for us then is what will we do with the opportunities? Do we let them just float on past or do we do, as the verse says, make the most of the opportunities? Now, Making the most of an opportunity is usually not our first response. It's not our initial response to an opportunity. Now, if we don't ignore the opportunity altogether, we will at least do something with the opportunity that God presents us. But this verse doesn't say just, well, do something with the opportunities that God gives. It says we're told to make the most of them. I want to describe a, a common path that tends to happen as we wrestle with what it looks like for us to make the most of an opportunity. Whether it's this opportunity for this season for us as a church or really any opportunity. There's a process that we usually go through from making some of an opportunity to making the most of an opportunity. And it's the path that we're all on if you're joining me and others and seriously considering what God wants you to give to this next move opportunity here at Seabreeze. If you've decided to do at least something with this opportunity, you have already been praying, you've already been thinking, and you've already been talking your way down this kind of three-level path. So I want to describe this to you. There's, there's three words that describe this path. They all begin with the letter R. So the first R is reasonable. The question is, what could I reasonably give? Now, whether this is this opportunity or any opportunity, the, question, the, the first question is, huh, here's an opportunity. What would be a reasonable response? That's the first thought we always have. In other words, what could I do 
without a whole lot of consideration and without a whole lot of strength? This is probably the first question that occurred to us, maybe even some of us a year ago when we were first made aware of this particular opportunity as a church. Now, when it comes to giving, this is basically a financial question. I mean, most people have a sense of whether or not they can or will give beyond their current pattern. And they have a sense almost immediately. The reason is that none of us have arrived wherever we are financially just suddenly. We have worked our way to where we are. We have earned our way to where we are. We have invested our way to where we are. And we have plans about where we're going. And so we know pretty quickly if this opportunity will or will not fit into our plans. And if it does, how much we can give without having to alter our plans or put them at risk. That's reasonable. That's what this R is. It's reasonable. Now, let me be clear. It is good and it is wise to have plans of all kind, financial plans. And it's good to work those plans and refine those plans. And you should not be quick to scrap or alter the plans that you have arrived at, especially if God has been an integral part in your planning process. That's why, for me, the first response to most opportunities, especially a financial one, especially a giving one, is, yeah, I can't afford that. Or, no. Or, maybe just a little bit. That's because I'm a planner. I don't like it when my plans get altered. Let me be honest. It scares me when my plans get messed with. But you see, by, opportun- by, by the very nature, opportunities are not something you can plan for. You can't make a plan of any kind and say, you know what, in about two years, in this month, a unique opportunity has come, and so I'm going to start getting ready for that. No, opportunities are surprising. You, you don't know way in advance when they're coming. By definition, opportunities are God's plans interrupting your plans. And as such, if we're going to make the most of an opportunity, then we're going to have to stretch beyond just our plans, just beyond reason. Now, we would never say it this way, but this is the question that reasonable giving asks. What could I give without praying about it much or really even thinking about it too hard or too long? This is why I'm asking all of us who are part of Seabreeze to pray about this regularly and consistently. And it's because if we are to make the most of this opportunity, we need to go beyond our thoughts and our reason and really do the best we can to figure out what God might want us to do. I don't know what that is for you. That's the work that you have in front of you, the work that I have in front of me. So the first R is reasonable. The second R is reprioritize. Here's this question. What could I reprioritize to be able to give? You know, one of the reasons God sends us opportunities is to grow us. Growth is fundamentally a change event. So in order for us to grow, something needs to shift in us. Something needs to change. I mean, we don't grow on the inside just by being the same, just by sitting there. We're not plants who just need food and water to grow. No, we are people, and we are broken people in a broken world. And at the core of our brokenness is a set of priorities that do not match with what God says is important. We all have in our hearts this unseen but very powerful list of what's important to us and in order. 
And because we are sinful people, our list never matches God's list. God says, here's what's important in this order. And we've come up, maybe some of those, but we've got them in a different place on the list. Our priority lists don't match. That's why God brings us an opportunity, because it invites us to consider that list, to even think about and be aware, huh, where does this fit on my list of what's important? You see, our priority list drives all of our decisions. Every decision we make references back to that hidden list of what's important and in what order. I mean, all of us here say God's important, the church is important. The question is, where on that list and what has bumped it down? That's the question we all have to wrestle with as we think about life. So on the surface, this reprioritized question is really a math question, kind of on the surface level. A question like, okay, well, what if I were to spend less on takeout food over the next three years? And I, I gave some of that to the church. Or, or what if I delayed or maybe dialed down a home improvement project that we've been thinking about, or I, I put a little less into retirement, or I invest a little bit less in my hobby, or something. It's something that we're planning to spend out of what's important to us, and we say, you know what, we, we, need, to, we need to reshuffle our priorities. We need, we need to move that down a little bit, move this up a little bit more so that we can give. Now, this is a math question, like I said, on the surface. But what it really points to is a deeper heart question of priorities. One of the things I'm most excited about this project is how it's going to change us, our hearts. That's the goal that's going to come out of this as we wrestle with this. I know of one couple that's delaying a financial dream they've been working towards for a while in order to give some to this. And this individual, I was talking with him about this, and this is how he put it. He said, you know, I was, my dream, this dream was, was my number one financial priority. And I realized that when this opportunity came up for the church, I was trying to fit this opportunity and what God wanted around this dream. And he suddenly he said, I suddenly realized I had it reversed. I'm supposed to fit this dream, which is a good dream around whatever God wants me to do. And I thought, you know, I, I couldn't say it any better. That's a reprioritize. That's a, that's a priority question. The third R, the last R, is what could I rely on God for in an exercise of faith? The R is rely. This is a stretch. So the first R is about what I have and what I can reasonably give without altering my plans much. The second R is about what I have and I can reprioritize to give. I'll delay this, spend a little less here, reprioritize. This third R is about what I don't really have right now and would need God to provide in order to give. Now that sounds crazy. I mean, why would someone decide to give money they don't even have yet? Well, let me explain how my wife and I have wrestled with this R. For me, I started wrestling with this R just by looking back at my life and remembering all of the times, even this year, when God provided unexpected resources. And then I thought, you know, what if I 
we're to trust God to do some of the same kind of thing that really he's always done throughout history in my life in the next three years. And what if I decided to earmark in advance some of what God might provide for this opportunity? So then when and if it comes in, I've got some that's already earmarked for this opportunity. For my wife and I, one of the things that we realized is that we wanted to give an amount to this that would put us, put us on our knees in prayer, not just now, but for the next three years. I mean, if it's reasonable, there's no need to even pray about it at all. You just know you don't need to pray. If it's reprioritized, well, you need to pray now. Figure that out. But there's no need to pray about it after you've decided because you know where the money's coming from. But if it's money that you really don't know for sure that you're going to have, and you don't know exactly where it's coming from, you have good thought that it might come in, but you really don't know, well, now you need to pray. Say, God, what do you want me to trust you for in faith over the next three years? You see, with this R, you will live with a greater expectancy on God and a greater understanding of God's the one who brings resources into our life. Yes, we have a part, but God is the major factor. Now, let me be clear on this. I am not counting on God to give me a million dollars to commit to this. That's the fourth R. That's just ridiculous. Don't, don't go there. Now, maybe some of you can do that, but that for me, that's ridiculous. So don't, don't just write down some big giant number and say, oh, I'm just trusting God. No. What, what has God done and, and what could you, it would stretch you to trust him for, but what, what could that be? So one of the things I, I want all of you to understand is you're, you're here at this time in this church for a reason. That's the way opportunities are. It's a matter of timing. You're here now. We're doing this now. And so this is an opportunity. Now, your first thought may have been, it may still be, great. Why does my church have to be doing this right now? This is just not a good time for me. But again, this is, that's what an opportunity Opportunity is when God's plans bump into your plans. That's what it is by definition. So what this is, is an opportunity for you and for me to grow and to change and in the process to make an impact on the future and eternity that God might use to turn the landslide around. So let's make the most of this. Again, I don't know what that means for you. That's between you and God. But I wanted to talk my way through this path because I found this path to be helpful just in getting me, me to think a little bit beyond what I might naturally think about, getting me to stretch from making some of this opportunity to making the most of this opportunity. So let's pray. Father, you, you know each of us. You know our hearts. We all have work to be done on the inside. And you know what this represents for us, what you're trying to get at in our hearts through this, what the next step of growth that you're trying to nudge us to take. And so I pray that you'd help us to make the most of this opportunity. I pray you'd help us to, to really think our way through these three R's and get some clarity on what you want us to do. Father, we pray for the election coming up, and God, we pray that you would stem the flow of evil. 
that is always on the march. And we are not just a a minor part as a church in combating against evil. We are your primary force against the forces of evil in this world. So I pray you'd help us to rise up and fight, not with people, but with the ideas that are destroying so many lives. I pray for a hunger in this community for the truth about you. I pray that it would grow. I pray that you would give us courage to love the people around us, to have the conversations about the truth, that you would bring a harvest of righteousness out of what we do and what we give. We pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.